Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. It's myself, Clint Walkner, Nate Condon. We're just uh, having a little conversation today about our favorite gym activities. What's your favorite gym exercise to do? Mm, I, I enjoy the chest workouts. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with that. You know, um, I, I, I don't do legs because lifting legs is stupid. Um, wow. So my least favorite outside of legs is back exercises uh because i never feel like i'm some of them are okay but other ones like i never feel like i'm doing right you know like the the uh starting the lawnmower with a dumbbell you know like that oh yeah yeah I, I, i've tried it 15 different times and nothing feels like i'm doing it correctly you gotta like put the weight in your pocket i, I right exactly right yeah. right yeah. yeah maybe you should just do like 500 good mornings that's one <laughs> It's yeah. one of the ones that always kind of dumbfounds you. Like you're supposed to feel it in your hamstrings. It barely right. works. Like, I don't know. Right. Uh, yeah. It's supposed to work your lower back, whatever. And it, for me, I mean, for sure, chest day, but you have to, you cannot neglect leg day. Yeah. I do like day. It's called walking on a golf course. No, that's, 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 that's not adequate. For me. You gotta. Yeah. Danny, that doesn't, that doesn't get it done is for like day. Day. No, Danny, he's, he's Danny's, Danny's, <laughs> Danny's giving you the disappointed dad look That's right. of, of, uh, yeah, no, nice try. You can't just do 20 calf raises and then <laughs> play golf. That does, that's not how this works. Yeah. Nope. It's the, it's the fundamentals. It's the base of your being. You have to work your legs. It's one of these deals, the, the, the foundation of your, uh, of your physiology. That's right. It all comes in the legs without yeah. the good foundation. You can't. Can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, today we're going to talk a little bit more about our journey about, you know, I'll call it our RIA journey. Um, you know, how we've gone about building. We, we did a previous segment, kind of how we got started, but I wanted to spend some time for some of the other firms out there that are making a transition. Um, and I would say our biggest transition was not even when we brought on one other partner because our, our makeup changed obviously a lot when we went from just you and I and, and some admin staff, but you and I really as the only two partners that we brought on John. I mean, that was a transition. That was the first time that we had somebody that brought in an, an initial book of business. But post that, we've added, you know, four other people on top of that. And so it's, it's gotten a lot more complex. Um, you know, and it's gotten a lot, uh, you know, we started to build out a team where people are more specializing. And I think that we wanted to just spend this time to highlight, you know, some of the challenges and some of the good and the bad of, of doing all that and some of the mistakes that we made along the way as well. And so, yeah. And what we hope to do in the future, um, because, uh, we've never really been, um, We've never been big on the whole like five year plan uh, methodology, and I and I I don't I don't think that that's uh, uh, been to our detriment. I think that's been fine. Uh, I I think it's okay for those firms that think it's valuable and that that it works well for them. But for us, it's never really seemed to work that well because it's hard in some ways to think of what the next six months is going to look like. So to try to figure out what the next five years is going to look like seems. I guess not, not a futile exercise is not the right way to say it, but, but more, um, uh, it just seems like energy that could be spent, um, you know, better off somewhere else than trying to figure out what, 
things are going to look like five years from now. I think the most challenging part of it is the recruiting part of it and having people join you because right. for us, John was really the only one that we recruited. We identified right. John kind right. of right away as, you know, he wasn't going to stay at his uh, wirehouse forever and right. he wanted to get to the RAA side. He knew that it was inevitable that he was going to do that. And so we opened up conversations and that took a ridiculously long time, but you know, that was like a two year mm -hmm. process. And a lot of that was tied to the intricacies of his, um, contract has contract and you know, they always pay bonuses and stuff like that at these wirehouses. So it makes it more complex because they're like forgivable loans kind of, there's sort of nuance to all of that. Um, that he, he really had to wait out and we had to wait out as part of this whole process. But the others were not as I would call it, not as calculated. Right. Right. So it was yeah. a situation where they right. more like an event happened or their time frame got a little bit more compressed and then they started looking, um, and they called us or they called one of our, the people that work for us and we got introduced to them. Yeah, I think a, a, a maybe a helpful step back too for those listening to understand that there's there's more than what I'm going to describe, but for the most part, there's kind of three big area of of financial advisors. You have uh, what are kind of thought of as bank channel type financial advisors, right? And that's that was our former life at UW Credit Union. That's the people that work, uh, you know, in in the local banks, the national banks, even the Wells Fargo advisors. You know that that's that's kind of the bank channel, right, type of financial advisor. And then you have the, uh, the wirehouse firms, uh, you know, Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, GBS, those are more what are referred to as wirehouse advisors. And then you have independent um, firms like ours, uh, which fall under what's called the RIA space. So that's kind of the three big categories. And I think that you're right that personnel becomes a very tricky um needle to thread because um, a lot of these advisors, it's the catch 22 of a, if, if they're good advisors and they're doing well, then those are the ones you want, but those are the hardest ones to get to leave where they're at because they're doing well and, 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 and things are going well. So why would they want to leave there? And so, whereas the ones that, that, that are, 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 uh, you know, looking to leave in a lot of cases, not every case, but in a lot of cases, maybe they're looking to leave, for a reason, right? And so then it's, you got to be careful with those. John was, a, he kind of neatly uh, fit in between those two categories, which is why it worked out for us. Uh, but I think that's part of the reason why personnel is difficult. And then beyond just finding the advisors is, you know, finding the correct support staff by way of marketing and admin and compliance. And that, uh, th that's probably the biggest challenge that we've had, honestly, from, from start to finish when we opened in, in 2012 has been personnel. And, and yeah. we've no, and navigated it well, and it's still been been tricky, and it's been and it's been difficult for sure. Staffing is very difficult. Yeah, uh, I think that one of the biggest takeaways that I've had, and one of the biggest mistakes that that I made, uh, was just simply understanding that you should not use somebody in two different roles and hope that they just mash up together. So I'll give an example of that. We used to put together marketing. And, and administrative as a role together. And my wife actually, I give her credit to helping me out on this one. She just said, why are you trying to mash up these two things together? You're talking about your ideal person on the administrative side 
is a lot, is very left-brained, is very logical, is very organized, is very, uh, you know, has that sort of skill set over there. Think of that sort of engineering type mindset. And then you think of the person that's running marketing, right-brained, creative, um, you know, it has a, a different skill set there as well. And so what we found is that when we, when we sort of put somebody into that role, that person would gravitate toward one role or the other, and it became uh, a real uh, tough time for them to, they didn't want to spend any time if they're like the marketing, they didn't want to spend any time in the admin or they wanted to minimize that time. And so um, that was something we've learned from. And since then, we've really tried to decouple those two positions as, as far as it can be convenient but just because it's convenient to have those two roles doesn't mean that they're being done well at the same time. Yeah, and I think we learned that. And I think some of that, though, is, is uh, you know, from a scale standpoint, um, you know, when we were doing that, we didn't have enough work for a 40-hour-a-week a marketing person and a 40-hour-a-week admin person, right? And maybe we weren't at a, at a resource level where that made sense for us either. And so you're right from the standpoint of, of maybe we were a little short-sighted in terms of, of the fact that this existed or could effectively exist, right? And I think it also uh, became a, a, uh, um, a function of the, just the fact that, you know, as the firm grew, then we had capacity to fill both of those roles. And so now we've done it in a, in a better way because we can have a dedicated marketing person that wants to do marketing and have dedicated admin people that want to do that piece. Um, and so that, that to me is a, a, some of it's a function of, of, of a misstep, but some of it is a function of just kind of where we were at the time too, and just didn't have the ability to, to hire two full-time people in each of those respective roles. Yeah. It's capacity and it's resources, right. At yeah, the same right, time. Right. And, and timing, right. I mean, so the timing just wasn't right at that time. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with finding, with having a small firm like we do, you just can't afford to make bad hires. And so you've right. got to just try to really go in and take your time and, and just say, Hey, we're going to go through as many candidates as it takes to find that person. Yeah. And I think what the other, um, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with the five year plan piece is, um, we've, and I think correctly. So, um, always lived by the idea from a hiring standpoint that we're going to hire talent, right? We're going to hire talent in, kind of whatever form it comes in and we'll figure out then kind of maybe the role that they're going to play or the details around it or the, um, you know, the, the, the timing aspect. So as opposed to saying, let's try to make timing and some of these other things perfect and then find the right person when talent comes in front of us and it's, and it's available to hire, we've done a good job of, of, of executing on that and, and kind of saying it doesn't matter that, we're maybe not in 100% need of X, Y, or Z. If this is a talented person, we want this person. And that's paid off incredibly well for us. And, and I think that that, and we're fortunate in that way. So it's, it's not, a, it's not a, a, a way of saying, hey, look how great we are. It's a way of saying, um, just as, as a rule of thumb, I mean, when you find talented people, try to get as close to those people as you can, stay close to those people, hire those people. If you're in a, in a role right like that, if you're in a different job and you find a talented person in your organization, try to connect with that person uh, because there's something to that where if you just sur surround yourself with people that are very good at what they do, uh, it, it's funny how it makes you better uh, uh, even if you're not um, you know, 
trying to be better in that area. Just being around people like that makes you and the organization inherently better. Yeah, I just took a picture of of Dan who's sitting over here like driving the ship. He's got like a computer he's writing notes on. He's got like a switcher thing, which, uh, you know, switches between cameras. He's got two cameras. Like right. we never had any of that stuff. Right. right. So, and the decent chance that a, that a whole lot of that is for show and, and isn't really doing anything. Um, but it, to the attempt at edit alone, it's, it's impressive. It I looks mean, good. He kind of looks, looks like a very, DJ twiddling good. some knobs. It might right. be all pre-programmed. Right. We don't even know. <laughs> right. Exactly. He might just be able to walk away and we, we might be fine. We have no idea. I mean, he sounds like he's listening, but maybe well, kudos he's just to him to though. I mean, for for you know, making it look like he's he's really you know, getting the job done. But, yeah, I mean, you if know, you we, if you look essential, then you are essential. It's just how it is. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. But but you know, hey, hats off to somebody that understands how the game's played. You know, and if you right. play it well, then nice work. You know, no, I I totally agree with you. I think that staffing and it remains our biggest challenge. Right, um, you know, as yeah. somebody gets good at their role and develops into their role. And we have, um, you know, Polly in our office is tracking to a financial advisor track. Uh, and so, you know, she's great at what she does in the administrative side. And, you know, unfortunately we're going to lose her. Fortunately, we're going to keep her, you know? And so right. it's out of one role and into another. Role. Yeah. So right. then we're going to have right. to retrain for right. that role of the administrative right. role and, you know, have somebody be there. And um, I think the, the administrative role has, somewhat been transitory for us and you know hopefully we can make it more permanent uh in the future and so i would say that if we have our biggest challenge to our our growth has been the administrative position it hasn't even been the advisor yeah it position. is um but i think some of that is just a a a function of the role itself right i think it is it is more of a a transition type role and i think that that does make it a little bit more challenging not to say that people don't do very well in that role for for long periods of time because there are people hey we'd love to find people like that but i think there is an aspect of it which is there's some fluidity to that position which makes it a little bit more difficult to to uh uh get people to stay in that role for a long period and, and the people that we've had in that role have moved on and done really impressive things right and i think that's pretty cool too to see that, that some of the people that have have worked here and then have moved on and, and and gone and done other things have done some really cool things and that's and and have really uh excelled in the areas um where where they moved on to so that that's that's uh that's cool to see just to, to know that you had a, you had some sort of role in, in, you know, them getting to the spots they're in now. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, we've had some, some great interns actually that have done really well yeah. as well. We have, we have taken on a couple, you know, interns, uh, over the course. I think we've had three interns and in, mm -hmm. in total. And, uh, you know, one of them is a financial advisor today. So I yep. feel really proud about that. Um, another one is, is doing very well, um, working for a technology company and is just doing phenomenally well as well. Uh, so, I mean, we've, we've had very good, talented people inside of our organization. And obviously that's the lifeblood of our culture is really, uh, you know, having talented people that enjoy what they do and uh, just make us all better. Uh, I think that's obviously the most difficult thing. And perspective, you know, from the perspective of looking back and going back to admin, you know, the administrative role, holy cow, man, I, I just think that that's the toughest needle to thread because you find a talented person and then they are ultimately, like Polly, ultimately she has designs of being an advisor. So, you know, okay, 
you know, keeping them in that role long term is, is not feasible. So then you have to figure out how are we going to either accept the fact this is a bench structure position where they're always going to graduate from that, or mm-hmm. you say, let's find that career admin. And, and that's, uh, you know, it's expensive to find something that's a, a career administrative person. And then also from a fit perspective, they have to be absolutely the right one. So it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. And I, again, I just think it, 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 um, some of it is a function of how we've done things too. And just, just understood that when we hire, when you hire talented people, they're either going to want to ascend within your organization or they're going to want to ascend outside of your organization, or they're going to, you know, if in the admin role, they want to stay there long-term, it's difficult to get those people to leave where they are long-term now. Right. I mean, that, that's the nature of them being long-term is, is they are very good and their existing employer is probably, done done well to keep them happy in that role so yeah i mean that becomes tricky to try to to try to find somebody in that space but um i think the other part of it that's tricky for us too is just understanding when do you have to hire somebody and looking down the road far enough to understand that the lead time of finding the person training the person getting to a point where they can function in that role and then timing that up correctly so that you're there's not a gap or a lag for clients so that they don't feel that um because obviously if you've waited until that need is an actual need, well, then now you've waited too long uh, because you're probably looking at six months be- before you can, you know, find that person, hire that person, train that person, and have that person be functioning to a point where they can be effective for clients. And so you're always looking six months, eight months, ten months down the road to say, okay, should we be looking for this person now, and then um, hope that that need still exists when you get there. That's correct, and just. You know, just because we don't have a five-year plan does not mean that we don't do planning. We do right. you know, regular partner meetings, and you and I meet uh, as managing partners. We meet on a very regular basis to discuss staffing and, and such, and I think we've started to be better at anticipating needs. I mean, we were just having a conversation before this, um, you know, about what we need to do in the future. Um, you know, what happens when when Polly is ascending and and you know how are we going to backfill that and you know yeah. what sort of role she has and we've never had a we've never had a bona fide um junior planner or para planner um right. you know it's uh, you know and so i don't even like the terminology of junior planner i don't even like para planner that much because i think you're either a financial advisor or you're not but there's somebody that's in a more of a support advisor role before they're kind of a lead advisor and so um that support advisor role is something that we'll probably have to f- hire for at some point where they're helping with financial planning and um, gathering of, of data and, and just kind of putting everything together for the client so that the lead advisor um, or that advisor team is even more prepared in those yeah. meetings as we grow. Right. So that's the main thing for us is it's inevitable that we will grow and take on clients. We have to take on the right clients for our organization and then we have to be able to provide a really good service to our clients as we scale. Right. I think the one of the tough decisions that we not tough decisions, one of the one of the difficult things for us to figure out and to define and to put clearly on paper and was the idea of comfortably unique, right? So so our what we always refer to as our culture and we always knew from early on that we wanted a culture that was different. Right. We always said that, you know, if a client, if a prospective client walked into our office and left our office and the first words out of their mouth was, well, that was different. That was a success. Right. Whether they went with us or not or found us to be valuable or, or the right fit for them. 
uh, if we made an impact on that person where they felt like the experience was different than what they anticipated of, of a typical financial planning relationship or, or experience, that was a success, right? And I, and I think that that's been a, um, uh, something that's been, been something we can be uh, um, kind of happy about is that that worked out in practice the way we, we kind of thought in our head because I think that is a, that's a, one of those very difficult things to, to also calibrate is the idea that you have in your head and then what actually comes off in real world are those two things the same and does it work the way you think it's going to work? And, and I'm happy that that worked out and that people kind of got it, right? Because I think it's easy in this, it's easy to say you want to be different, right? But then like, are you actually different? And does it, and, and not only different just to be different, right? But, but is it effectively different in, in terms of, you know, d- does it, does it work? Uh, and not just the way you want it to work, but does it work for the client? And does the client actually get something out of the experience that is beneficial as opposed to just, why don't you just do it the way everybody else does it? And I, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy that not only our clients recognize that we've tried to be different, but that it's been a benefit to them and they've gotten something out of it that is, is tangible. Um, I think that that's, that to me is, is, uh, is one of the things that I'm most proud of. Well, yeah. I mean, you talk about the service industry professionals you have to see that you pay, I would say premium prices for their services, right? Right. That's a doctor. Yep. That's a lawyer. It's an accountant. Yep. And if you think about what sort of uh, feeling you have when you go into those offices, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes it's not actually a great feeling. You go into right. like a doctor's office and things like that. You're in this small room and you're talking to an absolute gangbuster of a professional. Great person. Yes. Been through a ton of schooling. Very talented in all likelihood. Um, and and it's, the experience is generally terrible. And right. Or a lawyer's office and you sit down with that lawyer and you're in nice comfy seats, of course. Um, but it's a terrible experience because it's so, um, I don't know, it, it, it's, it's just hard to have that experience be fun, be enjoyable. Right. And here we get to talk about people's dreams. We get to talk about right. their hopes. We get to talk about some things that are very difficult too. We talk about death and we talk about money. And, but in an environment that is comfortable for them. And so I agree with you. And it took many iterations of what comfortably unique ended up being. You know, we tried right. to get a tagline, we tried to figure it out. And sometimes that just takes time. And yeah. I mean, comfortably unique, just, it's funny because it's just two words, right? So you think how hard is it to come up with two words, but that literally took years for us to figure out what that was. And it, it captures it about as well as I think you probably could in terms of what, what we wanted it to be. Right. We captured the words and then we had to design the office. Yeah. Right. To feel that. And right. then we had to, to design the website. Right. Which in a way is just as hard. Right. Because, you know, it's just a just an address on the Internet. So. Yeah. It's a blank piece of paper. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, it's just a, it's just a piece of poster board that's just sitting there staring at you going, OK, what are you going to what are you going to put on here? How are you going to organize it? You know, and so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a different it's a, just a different, it takes a different way of looking at it. And then you also have to uh, find people that want to work in that environment, right? I mean, if somebody wanted to come in and wear a suit and tie every day, we wouldn't tell them not to, but I don't know that it would work, right? It'd have to be a bow tie, I think. 
Yeah, or like a maybe bolo, a cowboy tie, like a, a bolo, bolo tie. tie. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think if somebody, you know, but again, so we we you know kind of tongue in cheek, right? But if that was somebody's like image, awesome. Like let's do it. You know, now if somebody wanted to come in in a full on you know pressed like three piece suit every single day. Again, I don't know that that would work because it's not that it wouldn't work within the industry. I just don't know that it would work in these four walls because it's just not what we have. That's not the scope that that we that we uh, that we have in the firm, right? And so I think that um, finding finding the people that want to work in that structure is also makes it it makes it challenging. Well, you yeah. look at Keith today. Keith came in the office. He's got like a a sweater hoodie yes. with a sport coat. Right. And, and, uh, jeans on it just works for Keith. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause that's, that's Keith and that's, that, Keith. that's okay. It makes sense. You know, and, and, uh, and you know, Dan wears a, a mustache, you know, from time to time. It's, um, and it's, it's fine. It's unique. It's, it's, uh, yeah. I can't say that I'm particularly comfortable with it, but it's, <laughs> it's unique. Like it's good. It's See, good. we, we, we give Dan the pass because he's the creative. He's the marketing guy. Totally right? do whatever he wants. So he can do, he can get away with more, you know, by way of that stuff than, than say if, I don't know, I walked in with that, you know, maybe not so much. I like Dan's clear, clear frames with the mustache. Like yeah, yesterday, yesterday right. was spot on though. If he's going right. to go with it, he's got to go with it. I love right. it. Right. Yeah. You got to commit to it. Right. Yeah. You got to lean into it. Yeah. Don't, don't go, don't go halfway. If you're going to be there, you got to be there, you know? I don't know if Dan was a financial advisor, though. I mean, with that mustache, you know, I mean, it's he'd have to specialize in marketing people only. <laughs> exactly. Just, right. He'd have to have yeah, a subset of, of clients that that uh, that were OK with it. But yeah, I, I uh, I'm excited to see the next few years. Uh, I, I think that um, I think the challenges that we face um, are very tangible in some ways, uh, i.e., um, you know, potentially space challenges, right? Um, because we have the space that we have here. We love our location here, obviously. However, you know, we can't put, you know, we have 10 people now. We can't put 20 people in here. That's not going to work, right? I don't even know if 12 people would work in mm -hmm. the space we have, right? So there's there's a challenge there. Um, and that's a very tangible, very, you know, put your finger on it type challenge. And then we also have challenges that aren't as, as uh easy to just kind of wrap your arms around, which is, you know, things like what is the market going to look like three years from now, you know, and, and how will that affect client psyche and their view of things? And, um, you know, ultimately where do we want to take the idea of comfortably unique? What is the next kind of step down that path? Right? What does that look like? And so it's, it's interesting how some of the challenges are very, um, you know, they're, they're very real in the sense that you can look at them and touch them and feel them and know what they are. And then there's other ones that are just as real, but you, you can't, um, you can't see it or put a label on it. It's just kind of, it's a challenge that just kind of comes to you when it comes to you. Yeah. There's reactive and proactive, um, you know, challenges that we have. And I, I think you make a good point. I, I, you know, I think we all have concerns about space constraints how can you keep your staff together live your culture together while being somewhat apart mm -hmm. you know and that could be a multi-office sort of thing if we kept this office down here and had to find some more space but then you split up your team you stay really committed to staying together and 
um, you know, potentially, you know, letting this spot go and going someplace else. I mean, these are all things that we'll have to consider in the future. And um, those are all great problems to have. Right. uh, Right. You know, yeah. Or if somebody decides to move. Right. You know, if somebody we have we have advisors already that do things very remotely. So, you know, they might not work in these four walls. Uh, throughout them, but I, I'm thankful that they had a chance to at least train here and learn mm-hmm. our sy- systems. Because if they're going to go elsewhere, we know that they're still going to be culturally a good fit. I don't know, like having a virtual sort of advisor that didn't live in this area and work with us at all. Right. I don't know if it would work. I'm not right. sure. I'm yeah. not sure. I know people do that with with uh, you know admin staff. You know they'll do the virtual thing, and and uh, we've 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 you know toyed with that idea a little bit, but I, I don't know that that would suit us as well either because, again, the culture is such a, a strong, it's just such a strong kind of thread that runs through the firm that, you know, it's different than in a lot of organizations where, um, you know, if it's somebody that can do the job and they know the job, it doesn't matter where they're located. For us, it's a little different because, yeah, you have to know the job and be able to do it, but you kind of have to do it in a way that kind of fits within the scope of how we do things. and not just about checking the box that's in front of you. It's kind of how you get it done and how that affects other people. And so it's a different, it's just different in that way. Yeah. I think if the thing is a commodity, then you can do that. Yeah. Right. It's easier that way. Right. Although we do some of that with our compliance consultant, Scott, he does a great job and he's virtual, but he doesn't touch the clients. So that's different. Right. Because, you know, even if you said I'm going to outsource all the paperwork, right, and say that that's a commodity, it's still dealing with clients. It's not quite there for me either. I I don't know. It's a tough one. That's a tough one to even outsource. And and I know that some younger advisors totally are fine with that. Like, they're like, hey, virtual, fine. Yeah. I don't know. But again, I just think it's, and that's okay. It's not a matter of saying right or wrong. I think people mistakenly look at it like a light switch, right? It's either on or off. And that's not, that's not right. I think it's, it's understanding that there are multiple, multiple, multiple ways to be successful in this industry and to, and to have clients that benefit from your services. Um, uh, And so this is just how we do it. Right. And I think that for us, it just, it maybe wouldn't work as well, although maybe, you know, we'll try it at some point, but um, I think it's it's more of just understanding kind of what what makes your firm tick, and then um, you're doing kind of a, abiding, a, being adhered to that to that idea. But I think the and the the final thing that I think that that we'll talk about today is just the idea that you and I have always had, which is we we are not Walkner Condon financial advisors, right? It's it's you and I are not. It's not us, right? We've always looked at it like there was an entity above us, which was the thing of Walkner Condon that we served and that we are, are uh, um, you know, caring after, caring for, uh, but it's not us specifically. And I think that that's been an important facet to us being able to get to this point is to realize that that comes with a certain level of keeping your ego in check because it's not you that they're that that they are hiring they're hiring the entity right you're a portion of it for sure but it it isn't just you and i and i think that that's been i think that served us well to to not think about like that well that's been our goal and i mean nothing says that more than our actions over the last 12 months which our biggest change is really going from three partners to seven right so we had we had a big increase in our partner group. 
we believed, um, you know, in offering equity to the other four advisors that didn't have it. They hit the benchmarks that they set out to accomplish. And as a result of that, we have seven equity partners. And we decided that very early on, even that Mm -hmm. if we were going to bring somebody in, we wanted to bring somebody in as a partner. They had to earn it, but we wanted to have people be equity owners because they have more skin in the game. You know, they're more committed to the organization. You know, if we're being fiduciaries for our clients, I want them to be fiduciaries for Walkner Condon too. Exactly. You know, so I think that they are when they come to work every day, they want to make us all better. Um, And yes, it benefits them financially and otherwise, uh, but it also gives them a seat at the table. And uh, I think that that's inherently very important to me, at least. And I know to you, Nate, uh, that, you know, we have a structure such as that. And, you know, so for anybody that's, you know, watching this, that's the path that we chose. Um, Some people might want to retain that control and have that tight knit thing. And it all kind of depends on whether how you want your institution to survive. Do you want it to survive after you? And what we've always thought is, yeah, we'd love to have ideally in an ideal world, we'd like to have an internal succession plan. Right. Where we're just Walkner Khan is still whatever name it is at that time or whatever it becomes, it becomes, but it still is in, in a form that it started with instead of, you know, you can, in our industry, of course, just, you can sell out to a big parent company and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but we would rather, uh, keep it small and keep it, you know, kind of in house if we can. Yeah. Again, that kind of goes back to something that we, we heard and believe in long ago, which is, it's not how big you can get. It's how small you can stay. And I think that that's a, that's a, Understanding that what that means in terms of how we look at it, which is not, it's not a, a nod to, um, you know, how do you stay, how, how do you, you know, uh, maintain some sort of, of tiny feel. That's not what it is at all. What it, what it means to us is, is always staying grounded to that idea that bigger isn't always better. And just because something is bigger or can make you bigger doesn't mean that it's better. And, and more of something isn't always better, right? And so I think that that's been an important, um, it's been an important kind of thought. I think that's the way I like to look at it, is it's just if you keep that thought in your head, then you will be better in making decisions. Um, I think that's, that, that's been very helpful for us as well. Yeah, I think that's, we've always had, and going kind of full circle here, we talked about staffing. It really is about, we've been lean on staff yeah. since our existence. We've for never sure. really been, I would never have called us at any point overstaffed. And right. I think the reason for that is that we wanted to stay small and not have this thing become a bloated monster with too right. much overhead and impacts to our culture that are negative. The smaller the staff you are, I think the easier it is to impart your culture on them. The larger it gets, the more opportunity for having that culture fracture. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it, it the the bigger you get, the more it, it it moves you away from the the most important function of of all of them within this within our organization, which is the relationship with the client. And the bigger you get, just inherently moves you further away from the relationship with the client. And and some of that is some of that is is uh, necessary um, if you're going to grow at all. It is necessary, but trying to keep that under control as much as possible will make it so that the advisor is closer to the client 
um, as opposed to the other way around of, of moving further away. And that's why I think it works for us. That's exactly right. Well, thanks for taking the time today to find out a little bit more about our journey. We're going to continue this in uh, further episodes, uh, you know, kind of going through our experience and hopefully, um, you know, anyone that's in the RA channel or looking at the RA channel uh, got a little bit out of this uh, and feel free to leave a comment. If you want to hear a certain segment about a certain aspect of our business, please don't hesitate to reach out to us via any of our channels. And uh, thanks for taking the time today on another episode of Give Me Some Truth. Walkner Conan Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walkner Conan Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.